Welcome to the Philosophy Podcast, where host and lacrosse expert Jamie Monroe will do what he does best, talk about lacrosse. Each episode will provide listeners with education, insights, stories, and lessons about the lacrosse world. We will discuss current events, coaching, philosophies, and college lacrosse recruiting. Now let's get started with your host, Jamie Monroe. How's it going, everybody? Really excited to welcome Matt Carwick, head lacrosse coach at Colgate University to the Philosophy Podcast. Matt, thanks for coming on, man. Hey, Jamie. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Always love talking lacrosse with you and um, really fired up to do it right now and to record it. It's even better. Nice. We recorded a lot of conversations over the years. <laughs> The Lacrosse Podcast is brought to you in part by the JM3 Lacrosse Academy. This 10-week online program is designed to teach cutting-edge lacrosse skills and IQ. Athletes will learn dozens of new techniques, creative drills, X's and O's, and most importantly, how to integrate it all into their game. To learn more or start getting better today, go to www.jm3sports.com forward slash academy. Let's start yep. off with, I mean, um, not too many people know, you know, your journey. You've coached, you know, people know your, your last stop sure. at Notre Dame, but not so many know where you came from in upstate New York and, you know, how you got to Notre Dame and your, you know, your uh, journey through club lacrosse into Division Two into Division One is pretty interesting. So maybe you can tell us a little bit about that, about some of your mentors along the way, and then um, we'll uh, get on to other, other topics. Yeah, man. Thanks. I appreciate the opportunity to, to have this conversation and certainly get a chance to kind of mention some of my mentors out loud. I think that's an, an awesome opportunity. Well, um, you know, yeah, like you said, I'm, I'm originally from upstate New York, a small town called Penn Yen. Um, and, uh, you know, we, that's what we did. You know, we played lacrosse there. That's what we did. That was our thing. We're, you know, the real small town. We used to, I remember I was just talking the other day uh, about, we used to skip school to go shoot. You know what I mean? Like that's where we were. Like that was our thing. Is like we had sectionals coming up. So me and my buddy Christopher Manley and Brian Chapel would would skip school and go shoot in the box. And so growing up playing uh, playing box in, in a in a literally a rectangle uh, chicken wire uh, kind of you know box lacrosse game. If the ball got caught in the corner, you weren't getting out very easily. You know what I mean? And, and so that's why I grew up playing. It was you know having uh, Harry Queener and, and Brian Hobart. You know were instrumental in, in my experience as a young player really young I mean they used to we used to go to the box in the summers and bring you know like they would bring the gates and, and the Powell and all these people down to our box just for like a summer clinic you know and so they had all the connections in the world but really kind of forged the you know love for the game in my mind when I was such a young kid and my older brother played my older sister played so I was I was fortunate to have kind of their guidance as well and and, uh, you know, yeah, so growing, growing up in Penyan, I mean, luckily we, you know, the only way to get recruited out of there was, it was to, back in the day, at least, because we didn't have club. We used to go up to the turkey shoot. You know, that was about it for, you know, in, in um, yeah. And then, uh, uh, but we, you know, we went, we went to the Empire Games. That was the thing is that was state championship and then the Empire Games back in the day, which we're trying to bring back now, which is kind of cool. Um, you know, um, yeah. Real quick, I remember you as – a player as both a recruit and when you were in that first uh, scholarship recruiting class at Notre Dame, when they went to the final four and they were like, all right, let's, let's give these guys some money. But I didn't know at the time that Penyan had a box, but you definitely played more like a Canadian than, than the majority of the American kids that, uh, of your day. You had this sort of like slickness to you, um, you were an athlete. You were pretty lanky back in the day, if I recall. But you also had you faked the lights out. And I just remember that you were really crafty as a player. But it's funny. Um, I can remember that, but I didn't know at the time. So it really kind of comes back to uh, your Penyan days, skipping school to shoot and uh, and playing pickup games at the box. I would imagine. No doubt about it. You know, it's so funny you talk about the that box experience. I'm not a great box player. I wouldn't call myself a great box player by any means. I just watched your your video on Tyler Pace this morning, by the way. And, and I'll tell you what, those guys think about the ball in such an amazing way. That two-man game stuff is just incredible. The, the hesitations, the box, the fakes, stuff like that can be used. I mean, as you know, you're trying to spread the word in the, in the, in the field game. But, yeah, no, listen, I was – 
I wasn't stronger than everybody. I certainly wasn't faster than everybody, but I was, I could hesitate yeah. and pump fake and get around people and score goals. Um, you know, and I was really crafty off the ball because I knew that I wasn't a great Dodger. And so that's how I made my living. And I, you know, did a really good job in an Empire State game against Long Island. We won the gold medal one year. Uh, I remember my, that. Junior year. And uh, I put up six against the team Long Island. And that's pretty sure K.A. was there. Kevin Anderson. Yeah. Well, we should probably recruit that guy, you know. I so. was there. And uh, Gene Tundo, was he your coach in that? Yeah, he was. Yes, sir. Yeah. Yes, sir. I just talked to him this week. I, we we practiced up in Buffalo last year, and I called him up. I'm like, "Hey, we're coming to Buffalo. What are you up to?" And uh, he came up. To, he came up to practice to say hello. Really cool. He's a great guy. Yeah. Well, the Empire Games was like the greatest thing going, and it's a shame that it left. Maybe it'll come back. But uh, then you you move on to um, Notre Dame, and uh, tell us a little bit about your experiences there and, and, and your mentors. Yeah, you know, listen, when we when I got recruited, like you said, it was the final after we went to the final four and one. We were the first recruited class in there. We came in, and um, you know what's funny? And like the, the culture wasn't great when I got there. You know what I mean? It was interesting because they were really good. They're really talented, and the group that just left were really good. And we thought we were going to be nasty, right? We're like they just yeah. went to the final four. We're the recruit, you know. We're, but there was a little bit of this, you know, kind of like against each other, like recruited guys and not recruited guys and uh, – or sorry, scholarship guys and not scholarship guys. And, and it was a really interesting time in, in Notre Dame's history. Um, you know, Kevin did an awesome job of – Kevin Corrigan did an awesome job of managing that world and trying to just, you know, help us work together in a lot of ways. And it wasn't it, – it, it seems like a very, like, one side versus the other. It really wasn't like that. But the culture there was – um, just a little bit different than I thought it was going to be. I used to skip school to go shoot, right? And it wasn't really like that at Notre Dame at the time. It is now, you know what I mean? And, and we, yeah. you know, I, have, I feel a lot of pride into kind of taking those next steps. And so the culture of, of that program was, was um, we, we had to build it. We really did as much as you think you go, oh, you know, to the final four, but you had to build that kind of what that is, what are the steps that take you to get there? Um, you know, awesome guys, you know, that, that kind of came before us and everything else, but we, we, we took a step when I was there uh, about, you know, just the little things, you know, like how much extra work you actually have to do, you know what I mean? So you can be consistent because anybody can make a, a run and these things, but to be consistent, that's what it took, you know? And I think that's what we did a really good job of kind of getting those guys to the next level. So that, you know, you look at, like I was, we call it the dark ages when I laugh about it with Cavits, you know, it was like, Oh, two, Oh, three, Oh, four. Um, well, we didn't make the tournament. You know, we went, oh, we went oh, 01, we're a final four team, and then we didn't make the tournament my three years that I was there. And then my final year that I was there, rather 05, and then 06 season, we finally made the tournament. Um, and, and kind of, again, the, the culture kind of shifted back into what it was like to kind of just be a true lacrosse player and live and breathe that world. And uh, and since then, I mean, you look at Notre Dame's history, since then they've been fantastic since then, you know, so. Yeah, very uh... – you know, really a model of consistency. And, I, and, and and there is a little bit of heavy lifting that went on. Um, and at the same time, you know, the old Great Western Lacrosse League, and you know, was getting a little more competitive with uh, Denver and Ohio State, um, you know, bite nipping at the heels of the Irish at every step of the way possible. No doubt. I remember, I mean, the, the old, I mean, and I don't even know if people still, maybe they do, I, but the, you know, the Denver Air Force trip, that was just like, you go out there and you got to play you and then you had to play Air Force. And it was, it was a gamut out there, but no, I remember I was, we were just laughing about this early in a conversation, but you know, going out to play you guys, the way that you play defense screwed us up big time. I was like, okay, so you're going to run by the guy and then you got to watch out because you're going to get slid to and back check. And I'm like, <laughs> so wait where's the skip pass and why are they shutting off the jason what's going on here you know and it was it was just really it was really like that to me was one of the first times i remember as a young player to think really about the defense i mean you know how it is like you, you think about your on ball guy and in, in playing at penn yeah we were just we were just so slick with the ball that the ball was zinging and we were drawing slides and banging it and that was one of the first times i really had to understand what defenses look like you know as a young as a young player and that really helped my game to be honest with you yeah. so, well, we, we could not beat Notre Dame until we went to pressure. Yeah. And I don't think we would have. I mean, I really believe that. And your boy, Pat Walsh, we talked about that the other day. <laughs> really slick attack. And he was, he was like a four-time All-American for you guys, wasn't he? Yeah, he was so good, man. He was so slick. It was funny because he's not crazy athletic. You know, he just yeah. got by guys and he could put 
fees on a dime. I was I played the inside with him, and he would BTB. Yeah, exactly. He would BTB it to me, knowing that I was backdoor cutting. Oh, before. BTB better than anybody, man. I mean, honestly, like I swear to God, I have taught that ever since watching that kid in high school and being like, that is so smart. I'm going to do that myself. In fact, I'm going up to Placid this week, so hopefully I'll pop a couple BTBs, like Pat Walsh style. Nice, but, man. You know, what we found with him is, like, he wasn't crazy athletic, but like you said, like, you had a really hard time. He could hang you up and, and roll back on you at X, and all of a sudden he's coming around and dunking it. So we were like, you know what? Screw it. We're going to go over his head at the goal line and slide to his face and just yep. collapse. Yep. And um, so it was, uh, it was a time of, you know, Notre Dame had set the standard in the West, and so it was uh, – it was exciting. And I remember, you know, having so much respect for your class in general and, and how many good players there were and, and how you guys kept getting better. So tell us a little bit about, you know, what you learned from the coaching staff at Notre Dame. Yeah. You know, like when I came in, so, you know, Kevin, obviously, uh, Corgan is, is my mentor. will always be uh, my mentor um, and kind of helped to develop my mind. I was the guy, so I was the kid that was, you know, I came in my freshman year and, and would, you know, watch video with the coaches, you know, I didn't think that was a thing back and I just did, you just, people didn't do that. That was like a setup thing. You watch video, but I would walk, go in and I would, I would walk in and say, Hey coach, what do you think about this? We used to do this kind of thing, this kind of action. Like as a freshman, Kevin would tell me that I remember doing it. And, and, and that to me was kind of the beginning stages of, of thinking about the game analytically and, and how, you know, how to just, just be better at understanding this world. And, and, uh, and Kev never, you know, Kev never, you know, we, we didn't shy away from anything. We had conversations, real com Whether we did anything that I asked, but we probably not, right? But, but, but he was at least, you know, uh, talked to me about that world. And so, you know, him and then, you know, uh, Kevin Anderson, who's one of my favorite people of all time, who, you know, he used to coach the offense back back when, and then they, yeah. they kind of made a switch and everything else. But Kevin was, you know, I, I was a classic, you know, top right Ripper, I'm going to shoot top right. And he, he, one of the smartest things he ever said to me was like, Hey coach. So, or Hey Matt, he's like, bring it in just six inches in, six inches down, you know, or, you know, and right there, shoot for here, not for there. And it was, I was like, yeah, okay. And then I would, I'm parking goals in the back of that. And he's sitting there laughing at it because me and him shooting, you know, behind, uh, behind our, our field. And, and just, he was just an unbelievable mentor for me. He still is an awesome guy, great family. And, and uh, I called him, even this year, I called him when we had a couple of, you know, troubles with our goalie stuff. And I'm like, hey, what do you think about this? And, and uh, he's just, just an unbelievable person. And then, you know, as a player, uh, it's funny, I had uh, uh, Guy Van Arsdale came through. As oh, yeah. a, Dave Campbell, who's, you know, who came through as, as, a, as a, excuse me, as a coach. And then uh, Dave Cornell was there as a coach. And, and so it was really interesting kind of seeing a bunch of these second assistant coaches come through um and understand that that obviously kevin and, and kevin anderson were just unbelievable mentors to me but also different perspectives when other people came through so um now you know listen at the end of the day i i think about how lucky i am in general and you think about my 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 starting of in a small town you know in pan yan with with you know harry queener and and brian hobar who kind of forged the the beginning of my mindset and then kevin corrigan who has an unbelievable mind for the game has an unbelievable mind for the student athlete experience and what that looks like and just as in in, in general and overall just an amazing human being and and really pushed me to my limits and challenged me in a lot of ways certainly as a player but definitely as a coach and um and then kevin anderson like i said about has uh just this knack to, to talking to you about things that are difficult yeah and has a way to do that. And so that helped me think about the way that I talk to my coaches and my players. And so I remember honestly having, you know, Kevin was a, a, a guy that was, you know, a mentor for me as well. In fact, when I was driving to Denver the very first time from, from New Haven, and I'm so going solo because my wife and, and baby son at the time were, were going to meet us, meet me out there. Let me recruit for two weeks and just be on the phone, you know, <laughs> dialing, dialing for dollars. But I stopped out. The Joyce Center had literally just been completed, and I stopped and checked out. You know, I I stopped in South Bend on my way out there, met with Kevin, checked out the facilities, and, awesome. and then went onward. But um, and, and Ka, same thing. I mean, he, uh, you know, he he's, he's not an older than I am, but I just kind of looked up to him because he was in this great program, and was just a great guy. What a lot of people don't know about Ka too is he's one of the originators of the three by movement of the uh, of the of the backyard lacrosse, him and Peter Hillgardner and all these guys got the Lloyd Thacker tournament started in Baltimore and 
And so, uh, you know, just got to give a little shout out to, uh, to a little pickup game lacrosse reference. But uh, anyways, I got great memories of those guys too. Just all, unbelievable people. Yep. yep. All right. So you went on to England. Yeah. So I graduated. It's just funny. I graduated from, from Notre Dame and, you know, everybody else had internships and jobs. And it just wasn't my, my cup of tea. I, just, I didn't want to sit in a cube and I just did, was not interested in that world at all. And I was studying psychology at Notre Dame in my senior year. I did a lot of stuff on sports psychology. I knew I wanted to coach. My father was a coach. Um, he coached uh, women's soccer at William Smith. He's got two national championship rings. Um, you know, um, and, 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 you know, a, a teacher in general. And so I always I thought oh, that was my path in a lot of ways. I didn't know how that was going to happen. Um, and I, I was talking to, to coach Corgan about it. I'm like, you know, what do we, you know, how do I, what do I do? I'm trying to figure it out, the whole thing. And, and then this England opportunity was posted on just our, you know, bulletin board that we had in our locker room. I'm like, that's interesting because I really want to travel and do that kind of thing. And, and so applied and, and, you know, went, did the English lacrosse association uh, would hire Americans to come over all throughout England. You know, I think Tam Brony did it. I was just talking to Jeff the other day about it. And, uh, you know, I, I was in Sheffield. So a lot of people were in Manchester, London. I was in Sheffield, which is in the middle of nowhere. Uh, in North right you have you? Yeah. Yeah, that's, you're one of the only people I've heard that have actually been there. That's awesome. Was Tom Wenham up there. What's that? Tom Wenham. Yeah, Tom Wenham, no doubt, no I doubt. I him like five years ago. Oh, right there. Well done. So, you know, it's interesting. I, I, it's, so a lot of people don't know this, but Kevin, right before I left, um, wanted me to come back and coach with him as, after I graduated at Notre Dame. And, and I just signed my, you know, my, uh, or excuse me, just got my documentation, just got, you know, my, my, my visa, my passport, my trip was over there. I talked to my host family, you know, the whole thing. And, and, uh, and Kevin calls and says, you know, do you want to come back and, and coach? And I was like, I, I can't, I can't do it. I, I, I have all this stuff. I'm traveling. I'm really excited about it. And, and we had an interesting conversation, let's just say about, you know, like what it's going to be like in the future of, of coaching and how that, you know, this is an awesome opportunity. And I just said, listen, I made an, a promise and a commitment. Some of the things that he, he talked to me about where I was as a player. And, and, uh, and so I told him, I was like, I'd love to next year. You know, and of course, that doesn't, of course, that doesn't work out ever, right? So you'll love this. So I go to England, and we, over there we had, um, you know, I had those plastic sticks. I was going to elementary schools across the countryside teaching, you know, like they thought it was – they were whacking each other with it. I'm like, no, 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 like this is a, a game that we play. It was awesome. It was awesome explaining it to, to, to English, young English kids who didn't know what the heck the game was. And, uh, and then I played on the weekends, right? We played for the club team. Well – um, so I'm still, try, still trying to figure out what I'm going to do when I come back. I'm going to coach. I know I'm going to travel. I'm over there. My brother came over. We traveled through Italy, did, did, had an awesome trip, that kind of thing. But I wanted to coach, obviously, when I came back. And my girlfriend, wife now, uh, was living in Indianapolis. And I was like, well, all right. So I called up Stan Ross. And I said, hey, you know, he was at Butler. I'm like, hey, I'd love to come there. I'll be your volunteer. I'll do graduate. I don't care what it is. I'd love to, to coach it. So he was like, yes, absolutely. Let's do this. You know, this was in early fall of 2006. Uh, and so <laughs> February comes around, I'm really excited about coming back there, I'm making my travel plans, and I'm checking the internet machine, and all of a sudden I look, and Butler drops her program, right? So I call up Stan Ross, I had to literally get my calling card out, doo, 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 right, and I called Stan Ross, and I'm like, hey, what's going on, man? I just saw the news, and he's like, he's like, I don't know. He's like, I just found out too. Good luck. Click. Right. So then I'm like, what do I do? Right. I have no idea. I'm in, I'm in the country, terrible food, driving on the wrong side of the road, looking for a job, <laughs> <laughs> like about ready to travel a little bit. And, uh, I knew I wanted to come back and, uh, you know, be with my, be with my girlfriend at the time. And, and so I was just like, wow, this is crazy. I have no idea. So I got back to Indiana. Like I was going to go my life. My wife was getting her doctorate degree at UIndy. And I'm like, all right, what do I do? I'm in Indianapolis here. I'm trying to figure out how to make men's me. I got some bills coming in, right? The whole thing. And um, I'm like, but I got to coach. I have this itch to have to coach. Um, and so Indiana University, right? Bloomington was an hour away south of Indianapolis. And I'm like, all right, I'll apply for the head coaching job down there. So I go down there. Of course, it's club. So it's, I meet with, you know, 
two seniors and a junior <laughs> in college. That seems pretty I'm cool. Like, hey, I'm like interviewing. I got like a, you know, the whole the whole get up going, and and they're like, yeah, we we love to have you because don't even have a coach so that'd be awesome <laughs> you know and and uh like we can't pay you that much i'm like yeah, i don't care whatever it is it's my one coach so i was working in indianapolis a little bit and driving to you know iu bloomington you know at night we were practicing from 11 p.m to 1 a.m in the morning right so prime, prime time it was yeah that was the only time we could get the indoor facility when it was snowing right and so it was after everybody done it was us and we were sharing the field with ultimate frisbee on the other side right so it was like I was committed, let's just say, Jamie, right? <laughs> and, uh, you know, listen, I, I was there for, for a couple of years. I ended up getting my master's degree uh, down at, India, at IU and, and, uh, and coached and had an unbelievable experience there. I was by myself for a while, and I ended up hiring a guy that was in my master's degree who had no idea what lacrosse was. He was a strength and conditioning guy. His name is Harry Day, and uh, he was, he's just jacked and diced. I was like, you're going to be my strength and conditioning coach, and you're going to be my – kind of D guy. You're gonna be like, coordinator. Yeah. And he was like, I don't know anything about defense. I'm like, don't worry about it, man. We'll figure it out. You know, and he was awesome. And it's just a great support, um, you know, as we're riding on these buses, but not gave me just an unbelievable perspective, you know, Jamie, about what this, what this coaching career could look like. I'm learning things in England from the very basics. I had to reteach the very basics to people who have no idea what the game was. Right. Having come from, from, you know, from England, uh, first or from Notre Dame, where we were playing at a relatively high level, felt like at the end, and then nobody knew what the game was. And then you go to Indiana, and it's kind of a little bit, you know, they're pretty good, but they have no idea the, the nuance of what the game looks like. So I'm trying to teach that, trying to figure out how motivated these guys really are. Again, 11 to 1 a.m. on a Thursday, you know, as a college kid. I, I remember what I was doing at 11 <laughs> on Thursday night and I'm like telling these guys I'm like let's go we got to work on this 10-man ride they're like yeah okay cool uh but really made some awesome awesome uh, relationships um there and uh yeah you know I don't know just just talking about makes me smile makes me think about kind of the the commitment that I had back in the day and that was one of the things that Kevin was really excited about when he hired me at Notre Dame was that I did go to England, even though I, you know, refused the job with him. I go to England, you know, come back to Indiana, and now I'm coaching, um, kind of from the from the roots. Right? Yeah. Kind of, so you went MCLA for what three years? I'm sorry, two seasons, three seasons at at, at IU. Uh, two or three, two or three seasons there, and then a year at Detroit Mercy and a year at Merrimack, correct? Right. So so I'm in Indiana. I'm trying to figure it out. Get the Indiana uh, head coaching job. I go get my master's degree. Well, in the meantime, um, I try out for the Chicago Machine. So that's just up the road. And I go up there to the tryout and had an awesome uh, trial. Super in shape. That's all I did in England was was run and prepare myself because I didn't know what the heck my my career path was going to be like. So I'm like, I'll try out the MLL a little bit, you know. And and uh, uh, made the team. I only played a handful of games. You know what I mean? Uh, for, for two years, though, but had an unbelievable time going up and down. I was uh, John Combs with the coach at one point. Scaramazzino was at, obviously at uh, – Scaramazzino, rather, at, uh, at, at Syracuse. Yep. Now. And those guys were, were coaching me. Uh, made some awesome friends to, to the, that world. But, but played, you know, played pro ball. Like, I'm a retired pro player. That's all I, that's all yeah. I know. <laughs> so, but, yeah, had, a, had just an awesome experience, man. It was, it was, really, it was really humbling in a lot of ways. And – you know, made zero money and was trying to scrape by living off school loans. And me and my wife, she was going to be a uh, clinical psychologist, which she is now. And I'm like, I need to hang on to her. <laughs> She's amazing, man. She really is. So give us a quick rundown on, on uh, Detroit and Merrimack. Um, yeah. Talk a little bit about ND, but we got to get on to Colgate here soon enough, too. No so. doubt, man. So I go to I go to England. Excuse me. I'm sorry. I go to uh, my wife gets moved to Detroit, and I call uh, Chris uh, Matt Hol holds up, and Chris Cole, and I'm like, hey, I'm coming up. Can I be a volunteer or something like that? That's it. Absolutely. It was year three of their program, so I go up there and I um, do everything I can. I'm doing strength and conditioning at a nearby college up in the morning, at like 6 a.m. Get to the office at 9 a.m. Trying to again, trying to make ends meet. Uh, coaching. I don't really have any job or anything like that. And then my wife gets moved to um, uh, Boston for the next part of her internship. So now I'm like, all right. So I call, I draw a big circle around Boston. I call everybody in the area, everybody from, you know, Providence to, you know, wherever else, Merrimack, which is about an hour north of Boston. 
and uh, Mike Morgan gets back to me and, and was like, listen, I can't pay you that much, but you can do, you know, you can, you can teach here for uh, like a class or a lab or something like that. Cause you have your master's degree and uh, I'd love for you to come up. So he gave me an unbelievable experience. And then, you know, listen, I gotta, I gotta give Mike a ton of credit, man. He was influential in my, my development. Luckily gave me, you know, gave me a job there, but let me look what they did in the last couple of years, you know, they got two national championship rings in the last couple of years as they come into the transition to, you know, division one. So I'm so proud of them. They're still great friends of mine, him and, and Brian Brazil, who ran their offense for, for years, just phenomenal minds, great hard workers. And, and they really get the game. Um, and I still call those guys all the time to say, Hey, what do you think about this? So I'm trying to see if I can put them on the schedule in the next couple of years, just to, just to have some fun with them, man, you know? Um, but, you know, and then, and then let's, I call Kev up. You know, and after I was at Merrimack, when, when Brian Fisher took the job at uh, at at uh, Mon, uh, Monmouth, and then next thing you know, I'm there for six years. Yeah, I get a chance to work under Jerry Byrne um, and Kevin. Kevin, obviously, who I've mentioned before, but Jerry was was probably my next greatest influence in my development um, as a young player. Challenged or young coach challenged me in so many different ways. Um, you know, great friend of mine now. Wish him really just great success at Harvard, but. He, uh, you know, he's one of those guys that just you can't you can't bullshit him, right? Look, he, he gets things at, at such a, a great emotional level. He understands the details, the the nuance of of not only just the defense, but of how to inspire people and to be great. You know, both his defense that he ran, obviously at Notre Dame, but certainly the way he handled me and challenged me as a young guy. And I still talk to him you know, every you know every other you know day, sometimes every week, just to you know, catch up with him, particularly now as he's trying to figure out what his next move is. Just, I think we just picked him up on the schedule. So that'll be a fun one. To, nice. Yeah, man. So, but no, listen, man, I, you know, had had the opportunity, um, the Colgate job opened up and I'm like, man, I tell you what, this is going to be phenomenal. One of the greatest things that I have in my life is my support for my wife. Like I mentioned a little bit earlier and she was like, go for it, babe, let's do it. You know, let's figure it out. And, and I, you know, I interviewed for, I bombed the interview, right? Bombed the, the, the phone interview. Jamie, you would have been embarrassed. It was like, I was, I think I drank more coffee than I did this morning and I'm ripping <laughs> through and I'm ripping through, man. And, and I'll, and, 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 you know, Dr. Nikki Moore, who's our athletic director, who's just unbelievable um, in so many ways and so support of our program, but certainly just her mindset of sports psychology and the way she wants to build us you know, our culture here at, at Colgate. And, uh, and I'm, I must have fire hosed everything that I probably thought I knew, you know what I mean? Uh, in an interview, she was, and she was like, okay, cool. Thanks. Um, <laughs> <that's> what, <laughs> <laughs> you know? and, uh, no, you know, listen to, you know, one thing happened, one thing after another happened and, 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 you know, I, I kind of finally got to that next level of, you know, the opportunity to come here and this place, I tell you what, I'm from upstate New York and I'd never been to Colgate. Isn't that wild? Yeah. I'm like, I'm from two hours away from here, but yeah. you would, you go, like, I always went to Hobart for games or Syracuse for games. Um, but you don't really make your way to Hamilton unless you know where you're going. And, yeah. and, uh, and I told them that on the interview and I'm like, but I'm from upstate, man. I believe in this place. And I woke up this morning, it was like a crisp, like 60 degrees, gorgeous out, like feeling like a, a real true upstate New York weather. You know what I mean? I'm like, man, this is what it's all about right here. Um, but that's, you know, that's, that to me, um, this, this position, this job um, for, to me is, is just, it means everything. I mean, it's, it's, yeah. again, I'm from upstate. The people here are unbelievable. Nikki Moore is, is fantastic. Um, you know, President Casey, uh, who, who also gave me an opportunity here, obviously is just, just, this is a phenomenal culture here. And I didn't even know that unless you know it. And I think that's part of what my job is too, to rebrand this place and what it looks like. You know what I mean? What it looks like. Feel like. People think about upstate New York, lacrosse, they think they forever, they thought about Syracuse, right? Then they thought about Cornell and then Albany had its, had its time. Right. And I think, I think we're up. I think we're up. And so I'm going to do everything I can in my power to, to make this place great, to inspire these young guys to be, you know, the best versions of themselves. And, and, uh, and see where we can go. So. The Philosophy Podcast is brought to you in part by the JM3 Coaches Training Program. If you are a coach interested in sharpening your saw, like so many of the guests on the show, you are going to love the content in this program. Go to www.jm3coaches.com for more information.
Inspiring your, your players to be the best versions of themselves is, is you say that, I hear you say that quite often and that must be you know, part of your model for developing the kind of culture you want. You mind talking to us a little bit about how you, how you go about developing the culture and the vision that you see for Colgate? Yeah, it's, it's, um, it's the single most important thing I think and that I, that I believe in because I think that's where it's, it's everything, every decision stems from there, right? So if, if I think about that, I think about that in my relationship with my players, if, if I want them to be my, my best version, I don't think that that's their best version, if, you would, if it's that, that makes sense, right? So if, as much as you want to push people and have expectations for your team and your culture and individuals, you have to inspire that next level of decision-making, whether it's, you know, that's, I guess that's how, you, that's how I want to put it, inspire that next level of decision-making. And so when my guys choose not to develop or get better, then we have the conversation about that. You know what I'm saying? And that's, and that's, that's a culture that I want to try to continue to build. And it's not easy, right? I mean, listen, man, I, I don't, I wasn't like that when I was 18, 22. I had a bunch of motivation. I knew I wanted to do things, but the way I think about it is this, you, you're motivated by three different ways, right? You're, you have this internal motivation and drive, which I want to find in every person. And I want to expose that. And if it's not there, then I want to expose that it's not there. Right. And then there's these external motivations which are, I want to do things to make him happy or that my, my parents happy, or I want to get on a recruiting list or a board, or, or I want to be the highest goal scorer, starter, all American. These are all external motivations, which work and they can get you some short-term games, but there's not as much as the, the, that internal that I was talking about earlier. And then there's the, we, right? Like, this is what we do. This is our culture. So you're motivated by this, you know, this world of, I can't do that because I want to, I need to be a part of this. So that, that requires me to be part of this community. And, and so I talk to my players like this and it, it may be too philosophical for a lot of them, frankly, you know, I talk to recruits like this. <laughs> I think it's funny because that's what, that's the way that I, I think about it because if you're not thinking about the being more self-aware in your own mind, now this is all great philosophical. I'll talk about the practical application in a second here, but if you're not thinking about being self-aware, all the time or trying to get that because as a coach, they're trying to push your players to be more self-aware. I think that you're going to get a pretty good version of them, but not their best version of themselves. And so the practical application of that is that, you know, a lot, what, what Kevin has taught me over the years is about the student athlete experience, the things that we do, right. To leave space for reflection, to introduce and, ex and expose them to different things like meditation or yoga or, you know, go do a trip just for the sake of doing a trip. Like we went down to Atlanta this year. I don't know if I told you. We went down to Atlanta in our spring break trip this year and just had an unbelievable time. We, we practiced. We did a networking event. We saw Hawks. We went to a Hawks game. We did the Civil Rights Museum, right? And then we, and then we went to CNN with the College Football Hall of Fame. This is all in like a 48-hour <laughs> right and it, it was a it was a massive amount of exposure to these different things industry tours went to chick-fil-a went to the original chick-fil-a which is awesome spent like five hundred dollars on chicken sandwiches and milkshakes like it was awesome right it was an experience that our guys will never forget yeah. um, and that becomes part of their that because become part of this culture that we do things that allow us to be more than just you know lacrosse players and i think that's that helps people become their best version of themselves, if you will, right? Because the best version of yourself is not just um, your best lacrosse version. It's, it's everything else. And as we know, I mean, there's so many crazy talented players out there that never come to fruition. And I think about the why. Why does that happen? And, and that's where I get really excited about um, talking about with our guys that it's okay to be make, it's okay to make these kind of mistakes, right? Both on the field and off. It's okay to make mistakes as long as you're understanding and being more self-aware of that stuff. And so it's, it gets deeper and I don't want to lose our audience with self, you know, with, with the philosophy of things, but, but the way I think about it is if you're going to become a Colgate lacrosse player, you're going to get an unbelievable experience both on and off the field. We're going to play high tempo lacrosse and we'll talk about the specifics of what that looks like here in a bit. I think, um, you know, you're going to do things that, that are, you know, like we're going to go on trips. You know, these guys didn't fly anywhere. We're, we're already, I've already got two trips planned for next year that I haven't even told our players about. Um, that's just going to expose. It's going to be networking. And we got to utilize our, our, our crazy um, amount of alumni support, which is fantastic to me in my first year and just unbelievable for helping our guys get internships, internships and jobs. So how do I expose all of that? And also, how do I talk about that so that people know about it? Like I said, if you think about upstate lacrosse, I want people to think about Colgate.
right? So what are the things that I need to do, practical application of these things? That Those are the things that I want to do. And then I want to talk about it and I want to video it and I want to get it on everything, every podcast, every social media outlet I can do so that people know that, oh, man, those guys are doing some interesting things. Because if I want to be able to make this, you know, and we haven't even talked about winning, right? <laughs> like that's the other thing because I believe in the process. I believe in the process of doing that. So does that make sense? It does. I mean, to focus on the whole experience and to focus on the whole player um, is the process. Yeah. Me too. And I'm lucky enough to come from, like I said, a small town to know, understand how to, how to build the roots of what it is, right? To like, this is what, if you really truly love this game, this is what it looks like. That's what I think Penyan gave me. I think I have, you know, what, what Kevin gave me at Notre Dame for both as a player and as, and as a, as a coach. And then I have, you know, what Jerry has instilled on me with the unbelievable amount of detail, um, how to brand yourself, how to brand the world that you're, that you're living in so that people know and can feel what you, what you're doing, you know, and then, you know, guys that I hope you don't mind me mentioning a guy named Darren McMain, who I'm going to go, he's the uh, performance coach um, for the San Francisco Giants. Great friend of mine, worked at Notre Dame for a year while I was there coaching coaches essentially. Right. And so he, to me, I talk to him every month and I'm like, listen, this is what I'm thinking about. He talks to me about messaging, talks to me about, you know, how to, what, how to, how to instill these, all these philosophical things that we're talking about. And it's a, it's a consistent messaging piece to, to your guys about, Hey, you know, we now want to work hard, like in the summer, for example, right now, right. We want to work hard. Sure. Obviously you want to be motivated in the summer to do it, but you also want to have time to relax. And so how do you get that message across? And that's what I work with him to help do, you know, and it helps me kind of continue to self-reflect as a coach about what this year looked like, what the year ahead is going to look like and everything else. So Darren McMaines has been just a phenomenal uh, influencer and mentor in my life as well. So it's awesome. So when you think about being the best version of yourself and you put it in the context of how you're now building your program as far as the way you want to play and, and how you stay cutting edge and how you make the decisions on, on how you want to play as well as, you know, as your philosophies evolve, talk to us a little bit about that, specifically how you want to play at Colgate and how you're sort of working at it yourself. No doubt. So I think you got to start internally for best for yourself. I want to talk about that for a second because that's where I'm struggling with. I just had a baby four months ago, right? We, we, we just had a baby four months ago. My, and so, you know, trying to be your best version of yourself when you're up at, you know, four times in the morning, you're like, all right. Uh, you know what I mean? It was, it's, I struggled with it, to be honest with you, man. I really did. I struggled with it. And, and my assistants were fantastic. My players didn't know the better, right? They were all, they were just there. And, and, and that's why I spent a lot of time on, on, on helping my, my wife and understanding what my family values were. And it really kind of, it shapes your mindset because I think when you have that world, that's, uh, you have that kind of settled. That allows you to be the best version of yourself going outward. So I think a lot of coaches make that mistake. They want to focus, focus, focus on everybody else, and they forget about their internal happiness and they're also their, their family happiness. And I think that when I do both, then I can show that rather than just talk about it to my players. Does that make sense? Yes. So, um, you know, like I talked to you this morning about getting up early. Like that's something that I'm, I'm, I need to get better at frankly, you know, I need to be able to be more productive in the morning so that I can, when I get home, I can spend more time with my family, do it the right way. And, and, you know, those kind of things. But anyways, that's, that's kind of me, but the way I think about what, like, if, so if you ask me, Hey, what does Colgate lacrosse look like going further? Right. And so everybody remembers the Syracuse game from last year, which is awesome. I hope that's what they all, that's all that they remember from last year, frankly. Right. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, listen, we went out there, we were, we were firing on all cylinders. We were crazy poised. We were snapping the ball off. We were sticking the ball in the back of the net. Our goalie was making saves, throwing quick outlets. We were winning faceoff guys. We were ground ball guys. Right. That game was a culmination of, of, all of our fall practice, right? And then, and then it kind of ta tailored off and some things that, that happened, uh, some injuries and stuff like that. But listen, at the end of the day, we're building what this looks like. So if you said, hey, what does Colgate lacrosse look like? I think it looks like this. I, I, I truly believe with the shot clock and, and tell me what you think about it after, but you, you got to play, man. You got to go. I mean, we're going to get up and down uh, much faster. I mean, you watch Virginia do it, watch some of these other teams. You know, if you want to win national championship, looks like you got to score 17, 18 goals or more. Right. I mean, if we want to talk about that, I think that you got to get up and out. Right. And so you're going to see us this year. You're going to see us fly, um, you know, particularly with our polls. I don't care who it is. The first three are going to be gone. 
for us on any save on any, you know, we might even do some leaking out and you know, not to give our opponents some, some uh, insights. I really don't care because you're going to watch us on film anyway. So who cares? I'll give them the scouting report at the end of the day. I think our guys are going to be motivated. They're going to get the green light to do a lot of different things. Transition to me is, is maybe the most important thing right now and, and playing some odd man plus playing some five on five stuff. You know, I think there's, it's, it, we, if I get into this six on six game that everybody else is doing, I think I'm just going to be another guy that's doing it, trying to do it better. You know, I think that inspiring my guys to, to make decisions, which I talk about off the field anyways, let's put that, let's put that in, in, into context when you're playing. Right. So, so yeah, I want to go, we're going to get up and out. So you're going to watch us this year, Jamie, on any save, any end line toward the end of shot clocks, we're going to be gone. And we're going to tell our goal is to throw the ball off the field and get the ball off the field. I don't care if you're a pole or a short stick or what you are. Um, and I think that inspires, you know, pressing transition, which I think if we can get three or four goals out of transition, then we, when we score six, seven, eight, hopefully in six on six, maybe some man ups up that puts us like up to 14, 15, somewhere around there. And I think that 15 in our, in our league is going to win some games, you know what I mean? And so that, and that's, and it depends on how well your goal is making saves and all this stuff. But at the end of the day, we're going to keep the, keep the gas pedal on. I think that's, we were really good when we did that a little bit last year, we changed our ride up right in the middle and it gave us a great spark. And I'm like, man, I'll tell you what, we can handle our poles can handle, you know, our, our D middies we're, we're, we're pretty good at handling, but we're just, we're just, a, we're just so much more of a threat in these different situations. When we get to six on six, I think people, and maybe it was a, a sense of what the culture was like beforehand, but I think certainly it's, you know, it's, it's boring to just like, all right, let's yellow it up. I'm not interested. Right. I'm just not interested in it. I really want to, I want to be smart. And I think when you're watching, you know, you watch the box game all the time. And so I'm just going to relate to you in a second, but like those guys figure out what the, they know the time, they know the time and they know the score all the time. Our game forever. You didn't really have to know the time. You know what I mean? You could care less. Now, when the, when the ref started to put the shot clock on, then you started to get to wear time. Now, time is of the essence. You have to understand what it looks like and feels like. And the smarter that you can get IQ-wise, the more you can play with um, understanding time, I think the more advantages you're going to get, right? So not only just like the end of shot clock, which is what most people think about, but I'm talking about the beginning of shot clocks, meaning how much time do you take to sub or do you? Right. And that's one of the things that's interesting because if they sub and you don't, then you get the players on the field. Simple as that. It's a simple process. And where can you rest for that 80 seconds? If you actually need to rest, right. You cross the midline, let's say 60 seconds or 50, no, 70 seconds for, for a quick out, 70 seconds, you cross the midline, there goes to me, my three poles, you know, or whoever, however it is, it's going to go over. And now I say, yeah, to you guys just stand there at the, restrainer a little bit higher and let's just play four on four and play if they're going to shut you off if they're a team that subs like that yeah we'll get an advantage every single time yeah you know and i think that's fun i think that's exciting i think that's smart and i think it's also you can rest you can rest right there my lsm will stay on the field i don't care yeah rest out there anyways the only thing you can't do is get water you yeah. know what i mean and, and i think that's, be that's doing that a few times a game and not having to run off and run back on, by the way, which no is no doubt about it. And not only that, but I think what we can do is you can play more players, Jamie. I think if I said to you, right, a, how about how great is this, right? So if I said to you, all right, hey, man, here's what we're going to do. <clears throat> we're going to play more players, more defensemen, right? And I want you to give everything you can for that 80, 80 plus seconds or whatever your shift is, 100%. There's no taking a second off. You're in your stance, you're sliding, you're doing all, you're communicating for 100 and let's say 120 seconds for the sake of going up and down and back and playing a defensive session, right? I think that more people can do that. I think when you get into this like long game of playing less players, then they start to conserve a little bit of energy or they may not break up field as fast as you possibly can because they know they got to get back. Yeah. Meanwhile, if I get a new shift of three defensemen or two defensemen in there, those guys might go hard. And so I think playing more players is more is going to be better. I think it's better for your team culture anyways. Um, sure. But it's just more exciting, man. And when I'm, not, I'm not, this isn't groundbreaking by any means, you know. It's just a commitment to to playing in a particular way that I think my players, in particular, the Colgate guys, can go. And I think it's also a way to play in the shot clock era that is intelligent, and it's going to force people to be better. It's going to force their face-off guy, for example, to be a better lacrosse player. I'm okay with that. 
Yeah. So yeah. you're going to play faster. You're going to get up as fast as you can. First three players over, you know, hopefully you'll have a bunch of short sticks standing at the midline, midline with their hands over their heads <laughs> as the poles are running over in transition. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and, and defensively, um, are you going to crank up the, the pressure to kind of try to make it even more of a, of a shit show? And we talked about this um, yep. in 2005. I was working – I was at Denver. John Thorpe was my assistant. We had this elaborate game plan against Carolina. We got our asses kicked. We were like, you know what? Let's just pressure. And if we're <laughs> going to go down, let's go down swinging. Yeah. And we just for the next three years, we kind of took it to – a level that was, you know, in a lot of people's eyes are like, these guys are out of their minds. But you know what? We made a jump from sort of being a top 25 team to having a couple top 12 finishes. And it really helped us win those 50-50 ball games. Are you going to go down the path of trying to pressure? Pressure, man. Pressure's coming. Pressure. No pressure's coming. Listen, I think it, the pressure does two things. One, it, it, if, if their coach is yelling yellow and we're putting heat on, then yeah. there's like this like – well, do I listen or do I not listen, right? And so there's like this moment of like indecision that players can have. Um, the other thing is that we're going to pressure and we're going to slide hard to your face and we may shut up adjacents. So you got to be great. You got to find the skip pass. And if you don't find the skip pass, then you're either going to get double teamed right there or try to escape, which is going to give us time to recover. So yeah, we're going to put pressure on people. There's no doubt about it. DJ uh, Driscoll type of pressure, right? Hey, what, man? I got, every time I dodge against that guy, he's <laughs> And so finally, Kevin was like, just go to the crease, will you, Carwick? At least go lefty. You got to go lefty on him. But, you know, he literally, like, when we would play you guys, we put the can opener right into our repertoire as soon as I watched DJ Driscoll, like, rip the stick out of people's hands, like, multiple times. Oh, got to have nightmares of that still, I think. Um, no, but we're, so we're going to put the heat on, uh, Jamie. I think, that's, I think that, to me, is, is uh, again, if we're going to play in a particular way, that is going to encourage aggressiveness, both green light up the field and also, you know, green light about guard. Listen, if we're going to define, we're going to help define how far out we can guard people. Sure. But we're going to be, we're going to get out and guard. We're going to get out and guard, put some pressure on people, um, make them make the state, make them be great. You know, if they can, if they can be great and they beat us with their greatness, awesome. Then, then, well done. We're just going to get better at our aggressiveness, and, and we're going to get better at handling the ball, and we're going to do those things. But I'm not interested in. in and losing a game because of the non-aggressiveness that we're trying to do. Let's pack it in. Let's let's protect and everything else. I'm like, there's too many good shooters out there. There's too many good, you know, like people know stuff. You're one play. Like the other thing with pressure is it screws up plays. So anybody who has this great play, they're going to like, Dick's really excited about the play. It's going to blow it up, man. So actually it's funny when you, when you play this way, you, you don't really have to spend hours on their offense because they can't really run anything and the beauty of the shot clock is that they're only going to have 50 or 60 seconds where you got to be able to do it and and that is so huge and they will score some goals on you particularly early sure. as soon as they we talked about this the other day as soon as they make the decision okay it's time to win this game because we're up by three in the beginning of the fourth quarter all of a sudden a they're not used to the pace B, they start turning it over because they're trying to be more conservative. Yep. C, your team just feeds upon that and it becomes your identity. You know what's funny is I was thinking about this last year because I struggled with it a little bit, which is, you know, we, we didn't play like this last year, right? Yeah. And, and um, when we tried to go faster, if you will, we tried to put more pressure on, we just weren't that good at it. Yeah. Right? But I think that when you go the other way, when you put heat on and you go faster, you can always slow down a little bit if you need to, based on time, circumstance, everything else, you know, but you can't, it's hard to go the other way. It's hard to be like, okay, now be a killer. You know, it's not going to happen. So, so I think we, we start off that way and then we get really, really, really smart at our, uh, it, with the, with the shot clock, with game sense, those things that, that are, it seems obvious to competitors, but not obvious to everybody. And that's where you got to, you know, you got to play like this. If a guy doesn't understand the, the time or the score or the situation, then he's going to struggle, you know, and but putting him more in those situations, being more aware of it, watching situational things on, on clips rather than us getting scored on in a situation, right? We watch situations that's going to help our game sense. And that's one thing that we're going to do this year. And then fall, we're going to go, we're going to get strength, stick work, and then we're going to add the IQ piece and we're going to add that other sense. We're going to, compete man and we're going to watch ourselves compete and we're going to evaluate our um you know redefining a competitor 
is, is I think is interesting. People think competitiveness is like having a sore, you know, being a sore loser. When you look how competitive it is he is, right? He really wants to win. Yeah. Real competitors, whether they care or not, at the end of the game, right? They're not care or not, but show that they care or not. Real competitors know the score. Real competitors are going, doing things because they know that's going to help their team win. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's it. Seems really obvious, but it's not for for every player. Yeah. Yeah. So when you think about pressure, yeah. you've got ball pressure, you've got double teams, mm-hmm. uh, staying on doubles yeah. uh, in different ways, you know, sort of, um, you know, hammer slides on the inside roll, but you can do that uh, out of the midfield too, when they kind of roll back to the middle, when you kind of got them, you know, jammed up in a V hold, you've got uh, double teaming of picks. You're going to do some jumping of picks. So yeah. I think, you know, if, if you jump it too far outside of the box, you get in a lot of trouble because there's too much space, obviously. Right. But, but yeah, I think I think making people be great throwback players, and again, with the, with the sense of the way I want to play defense is that if someone's doing, if you play two man and you jump double something, and that guy wants to blindly throw it back to the the guy who slips, if that guy doesn't have great space, I'm coming, man. Yeah, coming. We're coming at you. We're gonna come at you hot. We're gonna make you handle that situation and the catch and the survival. And if that guy has to survive, then we have enough time to recover. Yeah. You know, I hear you too on on re- oh, how about uh, double teams with your goalie? I guess you got to have. You know I never goalie. thought about that. To be honest with you, I think it, I think it becomes goalie specific. I think we have a guy right now as a freshman, freshman who played a little bit last year for us. That that I'm not sure if I want him out there doubling. On the other hand, that might be something interesting. He might be good at it. But we've never done it, so yeah. I think that's interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, depending on how athletic your goalie is, you know, makes a big difference. I remember in 08, we had a goalie that didn't have a great save percentage, but he was a hell of an athlete. So we just doubled with him all the time. But we had some other kids that really weren't that athletic. But we, we kind of decided, okay, because I saw I saw this kid, uh, the kid, he's now the head coach at Dartmouth. Uh, Callahan was a goalie at Stony Brook. And I just remember, he's a pretty big, pretty big guy. And I remember, like, us going underneath on, like, a 45 degree from the corner of the field on a righty attack that's put to his left going underneath. And all of a sudden Callahan's stepping out and we're like, <laughs> crap, like yeah. we had the guy, we were going to dunk this. There was no slide. So, I mean, there are a lot of things you can do, but in the end, back to the point you made of branding yourself. I mean, you want to brand yourself as, Hey, we're a program that's going to get out and push, but we're also going to create our chances defensively. I mean, what a fun way to play. It is, man. It is. And I'm a, you know, it's funny because when you first get like last year, for example, I thought about this last year a little bit, but then you kind of come in and you go, okay, well, who are we really? Right. Yeah. So the first year, I mean, you know, I'm not talking to anybody who doesn't know, but the first year that you do anything, it's, it's just a wild experience of, of getting fire hose with, okay, what is this place? Who's our team? What, what can, what can we do? What can't we do? What do our co- what do our coaches know? What do my coaches don't know? Right. What are the things that, that I, I can manage? So it's such a huge learning concept. It's teaching everything from our language to the way we want to stand to the, to how aggressive we want to be to how do I mean, the first year is just, it's really just, a, a, it's an impossible way to have just con- crazy consistency in what you're doing because all the drills are new. All the conversations in the office are relatively new. Um, but I tell you what I did, our, our guys, our seniors in particular last year, just had um, just did an unbelievable job of saying, okay, what are we doing, coach? Got it, right. And then just going to spit it the rest of the way and, and really starting to build this program. I talked to my guys at the end of the year last year, like, you got, I know we went four and nine last year and you, everybody remembers the Syracuse game and how exciting that was and everything else. You guys started the foundation of, of what this program is going to be about, how we practice, not that we practice, you know, and I think that's where we ramped it up. Um, and those I gave those guys a ton of leadership ability and that, and it's, I'm really excited about the next, the next phase. So let's talk about um, one, in my opinion, one of the greatest upsides for any program is player development. It happens to be a, a huge passion of mine and I know it's of yours too. Talk a little bit about how you're going to use that uh, to help bring your program to another level. Yeah. Um, I, one of the things I always remembered about um, well, at Notre Dame we did years ago when I was a player in particular is that we always we always worked on the, the – it sounds like a simple thing. I don't want to say fundamentals, but we worked on how to catch, right? Like how to catch. I mean, you, you talk a lot about this stuff in, in your um, videos, but like when people catch loaded – right and when they carry when they carry loaded when they catch loaded it changes the whole dynamic of the way that that a defender plays you and so individually player development both with defensemen we do with everybody even goalies just because i think it's important because you never know when a goalie needs to catch and guard from a riding attackman or whatever else but we talk a lot about the catch 
um, and how to set up your catch and how to move your feet in, in particular to catch the ball, um, both on the crease, which changes a little bit sometimes if you need to kind of protect your stick, but certainly um, when the ball is zinging to you on the backside or you're a defenseman and it's an overpass and here comes this riding attackman, you got to be able to shield um, with your body and catch. So, so fundamentally, player development-wise, that's the first thing we talk about every year. Um, that every year that we're going to do, we did it last year as well. And we have a great space um, inside uh, here at Colgate that allows us to be to every balls right there, man. You're, it's hundreds and hundreds of reps per day. So how do you get more reps? That's the question of catching, which sounds really like an easy thing, but I think that's one of the most important things, particularly if we're going to play the way that I've talked about playing, yeah. we got to be able to catch that ball going up the field. We got to be able to handle the ball in transition. If, if that guy, if a defenseman's catching the ball right here, trying to load up and then shoot the ball, it's too late. Right. So we talk a lot of it with our guys about how to catch. And so now we have a whole year of, you know, three years of players that, that learned how to catch last year, let's say at the very beginning um, of the year. And certainly we did it every single day. Um, but that would be the first thing uh, that we talk about. The other thing is, it sounds really simple, but athletic stance, you know, like a, you can't make any decisions. You can't even communicate with your, your knees straight. And I know that Jerry did a podcast on here or a, a virtual thing, but you can't do anything with your knees straight. You have to be in a stance. It sounds really ball, you man, triangle is a really simple basketball idea, but so many people don't do it. And now in particular, you have a set amount of time right? There's your 80 seconds. You need to be in this stance for 80 seconds to be able to communicate uh, in that way. And so how do we, that kind of player development to me, those things are, 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 are vital. If you don't have that, it's hard to really build any of the other stuff that you're doing, you know, and it's both, it's both, um, you know, defensively and offensively, I think with the communication, I think that's where people get lost a lot is not to communicate on offense because they're like, Shh, I'm going to come up here and set a pick. It's like really quiet. I think one of the, some of the best pickers offensively are the loud, obnoxious ones that tell you something you're going to do and then confuse the defense and need to do something else or read the situation. But you have to be an athletic stance and you got to communicate. Let someone know that you're going to you're going to set a pick so that the Dodger can then set it up um, and do those games. Um, so so we're going to work on a lot about that communication stuff and then the player development stuff in the beginning. We're going to get in our stance for sure, um, and then we're going to learn how to catch. Is or as I say, the three main things that we're going to do this fall for sure, um, player development-wise. What's your um, philosophy on two-man game? You like you guys like playing it? Yeah, I love it, man. Uh, we're not that good at it right now. I'm not that good at teaching it, frankly. So I've been doing, like I said, I watch a lot of your stuff, and, and I think a lot about how um, we didn't practice great against, and I'll watch John Crawley's broadcast, but we didn't practice against different kinds of defenses with it right so that's that's where we're going to get really good um this year we're going to practice all right we're jumping you know jumping everything for example or switching everything or trying to play both or trying to stay with your man or stack and whack right you stack behind your guy and you, you go out and whack and some people call that hedge and bump i've heard some peek and peek and whack or something I don't know. anyways but there's there's all different play, ways to play it on de defensively and and some people play it differently outside the box some people play it differently right at the top center right above the on the on the we call it the z line right right directly down the middle of the field and um and so you gotta you gotta be able to expose a lot of those positions so we're gonna we're gonna do a ton of two man in these kind of weird places right just outside or just inside the box little bit closer at x some of these low angles people will panic and make different decisions and as a defenseman you can't make the same decision on every single pick right i mean you can't jump switch everything you can't switch everything you can't certainly can't stay with everything um and so letting our guys iq wise understand where on the field the picks need to be set or can be set and how they're different and that's where we're going to work that's where we're going to straight work on it um this year uh, but i'm going to do a lot of a lot of uh a lot of IQ with our defensemen in that regard, meaning when can you jump switch it? Is it close enough to the crease that there's not a great switch or a, a, a slip lane, for example, right? And, and certainly with our offensive players, don't set a pick too close to the crease right here because you jump switch is not going to work or, or you got to bounce out quickly and right. relevant. And I think we, we brushed it. We did a broad stroke last year um, about the two-man game, about how to do it, how to read your defenseman, but I don't think we did a great job of it. But I, I certainly – I certainly, I certainly believe in it because of two things. One, obviously, it's super effective. But two, it's it's a way to get a quick shot, right? If it's the like even even the motion offense that a lot of people are running now is 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 a, that's a probe offense in a lot of ways. And if you do that, great, and you're really good at it, then you're going to get a bunch of these different opportunities. But if you need something right now, 
which is in a shot clock era, you, a lot of times you need something right now, right? Particularly if it's 15 seconds left or you're just not generating or the ball went out of bounds, you have to reset and here comes the defense. Whether, it's, whether they're playing zone or man, it doesn't really matter. I think picks work. Um, and so how to get our guys to, to be conscious of, of the why and the how and the where on the field to do it. So that's what I'm going to study as a coach. You know, you, you talked earlier about, like, what your advantages and what are the things that you can do as a coach off the field. Like, that, that to me is my job this summer, to learn about that so that I can be a better teacher in that world. Yeah, which is why you were watching the uh, Tyler Pace webinar from the other day. And, and um, there's a lot of really – I mean, that guy articulates – what he's doing pretty darn well but he did, he did it pretty well too when I coached against him really well <laughs> the way that we he was talking about two-man game in that and, and also you should watch the uh, Mike Lyons webinar that I did um, okay. a couple weeks ago on the NLL championship um game breakdown but it, it if you watch the way these guys in the NLL play their two-man game where they're so non-committal like when we think of teaching two-man game, we think of setting a pick and driving hard off of it. And when you watch Sean Evans or Dane Doby and some of the best guys in the world, and Tyler Pace even, they, they make no commitment. They basically get a, a, their man and a switch hung up on what, who should, who's going to take – which way is this guy going? Is he, is he, do I need to pass this off on a switch or not? And then they all of a sudden, they're bookending a, a picker who then vacates, guy exits the situation, and then who, who plays him? And it's, it's really wild just to watch the patience that these guys have. And to me, it's a totally different way of looking at two-man game. And it's really more about can you manipulate your own man and a switch at the same time that you're allowing a picker to exit. Mm-hmm. And if you can do that, you know – it's amazing. Think back to Matt Cavanaugh, actually, the way that he would kind of go up and down the wing when this man was going under and he'd kind of go back and forth and just hammer a wing shot. That's the no switch example of how you do the same thing. It's really pretty interesting. Yeah. You know, what's funny is that when I'm watching, watching the pace video earlier and the, the way, nobody's guarding anybody, they keep backing up. Right, which is yeah. because of the way that, that Tyler carries and some of these yeah. guys carrying boxing. So, like going out and, and lunging at somebody or trying to get ball pressure in boxes, I think it's that's got to be so hard. I mean, you know, these guys are so they're like this, and you're not sure whether or not you're gonna, you know, you talk about your double threat. There's no way you can get ball pressure with double threat, particularly with a guy who's got good steps. Yeah. So, so the, what you end up doing in boxes, sitting back a little bit and kind of hoping to contain the space. Um, and certainly the picker, you know, there's the, if anybody said a, a pick like they did in boxing in the field, it'd be called a moving pick for sure. So I want to figure out the balance. Maybe you can help me with down the road, but the balance between what does the pick game look like in the box game versus that guy does because you can't cross check shove, which you can do in yeah. box, it seems like. Um, but there's obviously those reads are still available. And there's the, all concepts, the concepts are all the same. It's just a matter of, the how much you dial it up and down based on how the defense is playing and the rules and stuff like that. But, yeah. So yeah, it's really interesting. Um, talk a little bit about recruiting. Yeah. Years here. Um, what's your philosophy on recruiting? What are the kind of kids you're looking for? Um, and if people are interested in Colgate, you know, what should they do? Yeah. Well, I mean, similar to the way that that I'm committing ourselves to play, I want I want polls that can handle. Let's start with the, let's start with defensemen. I want guys who can straight handle and who are interested in going up the field with the ball in their stick or being thrown to. Um, we have we got a bunch of guys. We just actually funny. We had a committed academy uh, type of thing called Upstate Futures this year, and we had basically like a lot of our committed guys at the thing, and we played this way. Mm-hmm. And I tell you what, I, was some of the, the the eyes on some of the defensemen, like, so wait, you want me to cross the midline? I'm like, yeah, if you're one of the top three. Like, that's awesome, coach. I've always wanted to do that, <laughs> you know. And and so what I want is I want guys that can straight handle and guard. I obviously, we want athletic people. We want people that are get aggressive and guard. Um, but I want, I want poles that can handle. I want people to get off the ground. I mean, so many of these shots and rebounds and 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 if we're going to play aggressively there's balls going to be on the ground i want guys to get off the ground and can and can run the field so if you're if you're a defenseman that does that and you're a big lumbering defenseman that doesn't move that much but takes up a lot of space um, i'm i'm not there with you right now because i want to go up and down the field um that's at the defensive end um a lot of, you know if you're a goalie here's a good one for goalies out there now you whether you stop the ball or not is, is obviously really important but you can't give up rebounds. 
you can't do it. You got to be able to gather the ball. So whether you need to restring your stick or figure out how that looks, you've got to gather the ball. So I'm looking for goalies that catch balls. Um, it's just as if it's just a thing because when you give up a ton of rebounds, <laughs> you're playing a lot of defense like you did back two years ago, right? And so, so catching balls is going to be really important to me um, for a goalie position, really staying calm in that world. Um, but you know, other than that, listen, I want I want workers. We're going to ride too. We didn't get a chance to talk about that much. You know, because of the way that we're going to play, um, uh, we're going to push the tempo. We're going to also put pressure in the ride. I think that was one of our greatest strengths when I was at Notre Dame years ago when we had Connor Doyle and Kavanaugh and these guys and Westy Hopkins. And, you know, they they were just killers on the ride. They were digging, you know, riding people to feel digging defensemen. They were they were anticipating overthrow, overpasses and shutting off people just because of it. And, and the ride looked different every time. And it was really hard to guard or clear against. Um, and, and it didn't always work, but you know what they did? They worked their tails off and, yeah. and knew that, that if the ball went down one time, that ball was in the back of the net, you know? And so how to, how to that's what we're going to do in the pressure. So I'm looking for, for attackmen who are not just, I don't want slick guys. I want guys who straight work, who are effort guys, man, who when that ball's on the ground, they're getting it off the ground or, you know, they're willing to get to the front of the net and take the hit, that kind of guy. So, you know, everybody wants to talk about the two-way midfielder. That's that's hard to prove. You know what I mean? Like particularly in, in, um, uh, club ball scene, it's really hard to kind of see though, that guy's a true kind of two way midfielder, but I want a guy that's, that's not afraid to stay on the field and go like one of some of our, if you look at some of our 20, uh, recruits, those guys stay on the field. They're not afraid to stay on the field. They're not afraid to score, put the ball in the back of that and then go take the next wing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because that's, again, that's, that to me is a mindset game of, I know the score. I need to be on the field because I'm the best player and I'm going to take the wing. That's a mindset, right? And so I want those kind of killers because I know that at the end of the day, those guys are, I can go to battle with them and they're also going to be able, they know that they're competitors, right? So that's the easy way of saying competitiveness. So does that help? That yeah. helps that explain what it looks It's a little different, right? Not, not too extravagant, but listen, at the end of the day, I'm not interested in this slick guy who, you know, bounces from his, his, you know, he's, he's one of these up in the, he's got a stick up there, real flashy. I mean, if you're that, but you're also a killer, fine. But I want guys that put their foot in the ground and react to mistakes, balls in the ground, everything else. Those are the guys that I'm going to recruit going forward. Yeah. Well, it fits into, it fits into, you know, everything you said, and it makes total sense. Uh, do you got any prospect days coming up? Yeah, we're going to put together a prospect day. Um, it's not it's not live yet, but we will be September fifteenth, uh, Sunday on campus. Um, we're also going to be doing some traveling prospect days. So, kind of a uh, again, if we want to rebrand ourselves and what it looks like here at Colgate, and people want to know who we are, then we got to go to the people. I'm okay with that. So last year we did Minnesota, we did Detroit, Philadelphia. Um, and, uh, and this year we're looking to do Atlanta, which is having some great lacrosse, um, yeah. come Texas, which we have a couple players from on our team from Texas, um, and some recruits coming in. And then, uh, we're looking probably to go either Long Island or Connecticut, which those guys, you know, we do really well, um, in those two areas, not, not so much Long Island anymore, but those two areas. So we got our bases covered. We got Long Island, we got, um, you know, Connecticut, which we're going to get a bunch of guys from Texas, which I think are a bunch of, a bunch of guys that are athlete, athletes. They want to get after you a little bit. And, uh, and I tell you what, like I said, Atlanta lacrosse is, is blowing up. So, No doubt. Well, Coach, thank you so much for taking the time. This was uh, awesome to talk lacrosse with you. Enjoy the, what little you have left of uh, summer. But I know that uh, every day you get a little closer to getting team number two back on campus, which I'm sure you're fired up about. I am, man. I pre Jamie, I can't tell you how much I appreciate your time, brother. And keep doing what you're doing. Just keep spreading the word because that means a lot to me. And, and, you know, one day I'll follow in your steps, hopefully. <laughs> awesome, buddy. Hey, have a, great, have a great day. Thanks again. We'll be in touch. You too, man. See you in Placid. Bye-bye. Right. Yeah, bye. The Phil podcast is made possible in part by the JM3 Video Assessment Tool. There's no question that video is critical to player development. One way or another, your son or daughter must utilize video to learn their game and the game. To learn more, see video testimonials, or register, go to www.jm3sports.com forward slash video right now.